to another episode of You and I for the Kenai. Aaron is actually not here today. The first episode, I believe he's missed outside of like one or two. So he's actually in uh, Anchorage doing a wrestling camp. And we'll also have uh, Piera here today for her very first uh, podcast. Why don't you say, say hi, Piera? Hey. <laughs> hi, guys. <laughs> uh, we're actually going to do another uh, awesome recovery story today. Uh, so Piera and Kobe... And we're here with Jessica to tell us about her recovery story. And I do think this is going to be a little bit of, a, of an interesting story, and I'm excited to hear it. Uh, Jessica, why don't you just uh, get us started tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm, I'm uh, born and raised Alaskan and kind of your typical outdoorsy of fishing, camping, hiking. Um, yeah, just avid, avid outdoors, but mm-hmm. winters tend to stay indoors. Yeah. Not so much that Alaskan, but... <laughs> So I um, lived down here on the peninsula for about 10 years, Okay. And uh, but I've lived all, all over Alaska, and I'd say down here is the best. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I moved up to Alaska in 2013, and I've lived here uh, so for about six years now. I've lived here the whole time. And I have thought about, like, if I would want to live other places, and, like, I couldn't do the interior, you think? I, d- I don't think. I wouldn't really want to do the great north or anything. So I'm, like, actually pretty happy when I moved up here. I mean, I'm pretty lucky that this is where I was because I came up from Montana to work at this uh, work at this camp, and uh, I was so ignorant as to what Alaska was and what it, like, looked like or anything. I was, like, went into – I remember I went into AT&T. I'm like, oh, hey, bro, so I'm going to go to Alaska. I think I'm going to go to the – Kenai Peninsula. Uh, <laughs> do they have phones there? <laughs> and he was like, "Oh yeah, dude, you're good." And so, anyway, yeah, I think I got lucky there. It's a great place. Uh, so yeah, that's great. So you've lived here for the last ten years now. I'm here. Yep. I've I've actually lived in the interior um, for some short time. I back gosh in 1996, I graduated from hair school, and I would travel to the villages mm-hmm. in the summer and yeah. cut hair. Oh, they don't cool. have hairdressers there, but they need right. haircuts too. So I'd hang out for six weeks and. Villages that have, you know, 100 people population, and I lived in a dry cabin right on the river with my dog, and wow. and uh, would fly back to Fairbanks for, you know, a couple of days for civilization, and then fly mm-hmm. back out and cut more hair, and and uh, did that for a couple of years. So I've been, and then southeast, I have friends down in there, Wrangell area, and Juneau, and um, yeah, so kind of all over here. <laughs> yeah, that is, yeah. that's awesome. I still want to go to like go to Southeast and travel Alaska a little bit more. I think uh, one of the things that was surprising to me, like it makes sense, I don't know about you guys, but like it's really expensive to travel in Alaska. Like my cousin, he's from Montana, he has a, he has a uh, cabin in uh, Craig, so in Southeast yeah. Alaska, and he's like, oh dude, we're gonna be there next week, like just fly over, you know? And I think he thinks because it's in the state, like if you fly from point A to point B in Montana, even from like the furthest distance, I'm sure you get there for like, around a hundred dollars or so but that's just not the case here you know i want to fly there and it was like a week out it was like truly like seven eight hundred dollars and so it's like it's a little bit it's not so much like oh it's it's not as simple as like traveling around like montana you know because you could fit like probably 10 montanas into alaska or something so (laughs) yeah anyway uh so why don't you tell us uh kind of how you uh how you first started, because I think, you know, we were talking beforehand, and I think your story is, you know, it's obviously, like, there are parts of it that we have not really seen, and we've done, I think, around 20 or 30 podcasts now, uh, recovery stories. Uh, there are some parts of it that we, that are, that are unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, 
and I guess I'll just jump right to it. So your, uh, it sounds like, um, kind of drug of choice uh, was spice, right? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> if, if that's not correct, go ahead. It, yes, it, it was because, well, before the spice, um, I you know, smoked marijuana. And, right. Um, you probably my, started that, like, in high school. Probably a little later okay. in high school. I was one of those kids. I was a little bit sheltered. I, I didn't even know what a pot leaf looked like till I was about 16, 17 years old. Yeah? Yeah. I had yeah. no idea. And, okay. and I and I wonder if in a way that kind of made made it to where when I was out on my own, I was mm. like, oh, okay, what's this, you know, and, and my friends, and, and they seem to have fun, you know, okay, yeah, I'll try it, and mm -hmm. I didn't know, you know, I mean, I've heard drugs say no, they're bad and stuff, mm -hmm. but when you're kind of sheltered from those things, you tend to kind of want to ex experiment mm -hmm. and explore those as you get older and, and spread your wings, and I think that might have been part of the problem, you know, part of what drove me in that in that direction so I'm very much I have my own children and I'm very much open with everything sure. <clears throat> I think it's very important especially nowadays with what we see just sitting even on the side of the roads you know that we don't we should not shelter our kids sure. this is raw reality and sure. they're gonna grow up in this world and they should know yeah good and bad and so so my I'm hoping with my story and my kids have been with me this entire time and seen my ups and downs that they will learn from my mistakes mm -hmm. gain from my strengths and then and grow up and make those right decisions. So, yeah. So that's kind of my thing is is I think being sheltered a little bit as a kid kind of drove me into that experimental yeah. phase. And so, um, so yeah, smoking kind of marijuana a little bit older, you know, in the twenties. And I I did leave. I went to New York and Chicago for a couple of years. Oh really? Mm -hmm. We're at New York. I just went to New York for like uh, a week. Southlands awesome. Falls and Albany Troy area. I've got okay. some family yeah. there and my, my best friend from high school had moved there so I wanted to, you know, check it out and yeah. go to Alaska for a little bit and yeah. then and then I did some uh, modeling back gosh, twenty years ago when I was twenty twenty one and and got a gig in Chicago, so I got on Greyhound nice. one way, never been there, didn't know anybody, and, <laughs> and uh, so got there, and, and I met some people. You took a Greyhound from where? From New York <clears throat> yeah, to Chicago, wow. on my own, Yeah, by myself, 19, <laughs> yeah. 20, 20, yeah. I took, I won't talk about me the whole time, but I, I took a Greyhound at 19 from Tennessee to Montana, and I'll tell you what, that was an, that was an experience. It was, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot of, yeah, definitely different than Alaska. Yeah. Um, but yeah, living in Chicago for a couple of years too, and okay. and I think that's kind of where I started my my experimenting on marijuana and stuff when I was mm -hmm. out on my own in the big city, and it was just readily available on the side of the street. You drive right up, and oh yeah, five bucks worth, you know, sure, here's the bag, yeah. and drive off, and and it just was kind of a norm there, and um, so that's kind of where it started. Um, then I moved back up here in 2002, and um, it was a few years later I would start like bartended and serve. That's like probably a little more than probably eight, nine, eight, nine years later, um, more so when I moved down here. So I still smoked marijuana on occasion. It wasn't an everyday thing. It was just kind of whenever there was get-togethers or it was around. Um, and then bartending, it was kind of always around. Right, and right. And then it just, over the years, um, Spicehead became this new thing that all of a sudden you heard in the news or see it on TV, you know, or your friends talk about it that, that would replace marijuana as a legal substance to use since it's being sold out of the stores. And so part of, you know, when you smoke marijuana is, well, first of all, you have to know somebody to go get it from. You got to know, 
you know, is it, is it good? Is it, are you getting your money's worth, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so when it's illegal and you're having to kind of go around those and find those dealers, it's, yeah. it's a pain. So right. well, why not just go to the store and, and buy it? So mm -hmm. much easier. Mm -hmm. And that's what drove me into my spice addiction. Okay. Was the fact that it was legal. Mm -hmm. um, so he thinks things legal. You know, cigarettes are legal. Bad for you, yes. Alcohol is legal. Bad for you, yes. Mm -hmm. Well, spice is legal. It might be bad for me, but you know, <coughs> marijuana is, is smoking anything bad for you, yes. Sure. You know, so um, so to me, it wasn't like oh, am I wrong? Or you know, it was just well, I smoke pot, and I'm gonna make it a legal thing now, and mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about it, and and that's that. So that was where it started. Were you, uh, did you have family around you at this time? Um, I just had uh, my boyfriend at the time, um, and then my daughters. And what did your boyfriend think? He was, he smoked marijuana, and He's, then when the spice came on too, he was all about it. And also, sure, he was like, sure. yeah, my, you know, it's legal in the store. Yeah. Um, and I think at that point, right, mm -hmm. uh, there wasn't like a whole lot of like health, I mean, there may have been some general health concerns around it, but there weren't like, it wasn't to the magnitude that, that could kind of exist today. It was so new. There was, I didn't know right. anything. I didn't even, I hadn't even heard of it. And I had a, a, a friend who came into the, the bar, I was bartending one night and she said, uh, have you ever tried the spice? And I said, no, I've kind of, you know, I've heard of it, mm -hmm. you know, I've never tried it. And she's like, well, it's legal and they're selling it down at that store. And I'm like, oh, really? So she had given me some, and, and I had tried it, and I was actually really impressed at, honestly, you You're know, stoned. one, yeah. two hits, and I was like, holy moly, it's like yeah. almost smoke, you know? Yeah. I get, I'm get i getting more out of that, yeah. more yeah. my money, than, than I was with the marijuana, and yeah. so if it's that great, might as well stick with that. Yeah, so for our listeners, uh, I'm sure most of you guys know that uh, what spice is. I think it also, I think it's also at times been referred to as like K2 and some other mm -hmm. names. However, I'm not certain about that last thing. I think it has been though. Uh, anyway, the general gist of it, from what I recall, is that it's uh, a type of like they take like a flower or some kind of uh, some something that can like resembles like flowery substance. And obviously, not like a cooking flour, but like an actual like. How would you describe it? I mean, it's like, so, maybe, huh. I know they spray like an artificial, yeah. some chemicals on it. That When I was told about it in high school, it was like, oh, it's no big deal. It's just kind of like this, uh, like almost like a like bed of, obviously not bed of greens, but like a little bit of like dried greens, essentially, mm -hmm. it looks like, that is sprayed with, uh, oh, it's just, art it's like an artificial THC is what I was mm -hmm. told. It's like, it's like the same thing, man. It's like the exact same. It's just like... They just tweak a little tiny something, no big deal. Doesn't show up on drug tests. Like totally legal. It's like the it's it's totally good, man. It's totally good. Yep. That's what I was told. Yeah, I didn't. I honestly, when I had seen it, I really didn't even, I guess, question. Right. Oh, what's on it? You know, it's, it's in the store. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. legal. So I'm like, well, and at the time, I don't know if I was a little more naive and just didn't know that you know that things need to don't really need to be approved in certain ways. Sure. You know, to be sold out of a store, but but you think that they do. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I thought it was okay, yeah. you know, to the point almost like a cigarettes or, or alcohol. So knowing that it's still not good for me, but it's okay. It's yeah. not going to, you know, kill me in one day. And I, I think what they do is, uh, at least they used to do this, is they just put not for human consumption on the bottle or whatever. And so then that, that skipped around a lot of regulations. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's what we mean when we talk about spices, the kind of the, the flour sprayed with, uh, some different chemicals that gets you high and originally was supposed to be pretty much like resemble a marijuana-esque type of drug that wasn't, uh, 
that wouldn't show up as like THC on your on any like kind of tests or anything. That's why it was legal, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so okay, so it's new, and you're uh, so. What's that? Does that kind of take off? Because you said you, before you were smoking marijuana, you know, from time to time, but not like every single day. Mm -hmm. And so then you start smoking spice, and is that kind of more of an everyday thing? It started. It started becoming an everyday thing because the high itself didn't last very long. Right. So you know, with marijuana. Like Forty-five minutes, right? Oh, maybe fifteen. Oh, okay. Maybe, oh, yeah. Okay. After fifteen minutes, you're like, oh, I don't really, you know, and it only takes one or two hits to feel sure. that that high feeling. So. So I would put a little bit in there, once you, am I good to go? But then, next thing I know, 15 minutes is kind of gone, and you know, so what's a little bit more? And, and it just kind of gradually grew from that um, into, into a huge, I mean, I was probably spending upwards of 50 to 70 bucks a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it, because it didn't last long, mm -hmm. so you, and you wanted to keep it. But um, that wasn't in the very beginning. That was the, the gradually into my three-year addiction. So towards, you know, mid mid, and, and towards the end, it was definitely um, a whole different game than really? when I first started. So, um, yeah. Yep. And how does your... Uh, I know you said you had your, your boyfriend at the time. Is he is he thinking like, oh, man, she's smoking a lot? Or is it... No, him and I were, were not together very long oh, okay. after after this had started. Okay. Um, and he was just kind of right there with me. Right, it, There right. was no... Every time I'd be like, ready to smoke more, he would too. Right, right. Um, so after we split up, I was just kind of on my own. But mm. at this point, I en enjoyed it enough to just keep going on my, you know, right. so, so I was... Uh, it was just me and my kids for a while. I even moved in with my mom for a little bit. She saw that what I was going through, and she even had pulled me inside and said, I feel like, you know, this stuff's kind of taking over, and of course I would argue with her, and mm -hmm. no, it's not, you know, and it's, it, but it, it really was. Yeah. So, yeah. so she was starting to be a little and, concerned. Yeah, and she actually works in, in um, drug treatment and works yeah. in mental health with prisoners and sees us all the time, and, and here she is watching her own daughter have addiction, you know, and, and seeing what it was doing to me. I wonder if this kind of relates to prescription medication in the sense that, I mean, with, with what you were getting, it was literally from the store. It wasn't like, you know, over the counter or anything. You were just buying it. Yep. But even that, that sense of, oh, it's, you know, it's not going to hurt me. It's basically approved, like, right. you know, painkillers and stuff. And then it starts down on that, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You know, it's not going to kill me. But then it slowly starts taking over. And that sounds like that's what, what happened there yes. was that, oh, it, it seemed harmless. And, it, yeah, it wasn't going to kill you. But it started taking control of your life. That's uh, a good point. Yep. Really good point. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. I feel like with prescription medications, there's at, and maybe not as much today, but at least for a long time there, there was like an assumed kind of cleanness to it or like mm -hmm. an, a, an assumed amount of like, like this isn't so inappropriate kind of gig, you right. know, like it was either like written for me, therefore like it's for me, this is just fine, or like it has been approved. So... Like, and then, you, like you said earlier, you assume that the spice has gone through some kind of similar approval process. Mm -hmm. So I wonder, yeah, that's a good point. Like, I wonder if people's, at times, their willingness to really consume these products without as much concern or as much, maybe even, like, basic guilt, like, mm -hmm. uh, as they would, obviously, with something like, and I think, obviously, this has part to do with, like, some basic, like, fear out there which is probably rightfully placed like 
heroin or crack or cocaine, mm-hmm. you know. But really, you know, some of these some of these drugs can have some pretty similar yes. similar effects, oh, yeah. you know, and yeah. similar consequences. So I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Thanks. Huh. Yep, definitely. Gradual and thinking it's okay. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then, yeah, and then it takes over. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then you're probably conflicted too, I would imagine, because you're thinking, okay, like my life at this point is maybe not so okay. But then you're thinking on the other hand, like, well, it's, 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 it's approved, like it's not supposed to be a big deal. And so there's like this kind of wrestling with yourself. And when it's readily available in multiple stores in every town you go to, I mean, it was the point where when when I'd go to the store and it was a drive-up store, tobacco shop, you know, you drive up out of the window, ask, you know, for whatever that they had and if we know what deals they had and they knew me by name, I knew them by name. Um, But when they didn't have any, friends and I would actually pull our money together and drive all the way to Anchorage or Wasilla. Wow. You know, and to get it because we were all kind of going through the same thing at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was like, have it or feel horrible. Yeah. And so it was, uh, yeah, let's pull our money together and let's take a road trip. You yeah. Know? And it was a long road trip to get there because at this point, you know, at this stage, we were so addicted to it that without it, every two hours, I would be pukey sick. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yep. So at that stage, was it still sort of rationalization, like, let's all take a road trip, it's going to be a good time, or was did you kind of realize as a group that, hey, this is more of a dependence type yes, thing? Yes, at this point. So so to kind of fill in the gap there, when I you know first started smoking that, thinking it's okay, it's legal, it was fine. I felt fine. I felt you know normal. I could function daily. I could take care of my kids. I could still pay my bills. I was going to work on time. I was... You know, everything was fine, and it was probably within about a year or so, maybe a year and a half after, um, you know, starting to smoke, that um, it started becoming more known as a harmful substance. People started having these, you know, uh, overdoses and, and these issues, and what happened was these stores that were selling it were making such profit that when the chemicals that were in these would become illegal, the scientists behind this would create a new chemical and replace, mm-hmm. so that way they they would then would have to reinvestigate, re, reinvestigate, yeah. find new chemicals to make illegal to go after, go and, and it takes so long. Right. And so in the meantime, people who were actually buying it and smoking it were smoking just true poison. And when you mentioned about you know substance sprayed on this stuff, I had done so much research after doing my recovery to find out what and where this came from, what, where did it originate, you know, why is it here, you know, and, and I had found, I mean, got, they had warehouse, full-on warehouses in California and in China, these were being shipped from overseas and actually funding terrorism from what I found. I mean, I've done, I've worked with yeah. people out of state and FBI and stuff since wow. then, but, um, you know, like I said, go fill the gap there is they would, in these warehouses, have just all these different type of plant material in these bathtubs. And they would have these sprayers that you would use for, like, spraying vehicles. Okay. And they would just spray, spray, spray these tubs, and they would kind of mix it together and let it sit. Mm. Well, the stuff on the top, you know, the, 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 the chemical would kind of soak through, and then the stuff on the bottom would just be kind of, like, just soaking in it. Mm-hmm. And so when they package it up and sell it, you don't know what strength you're really getting. Are you getting the top of the tub, the middle, or the bottom? Right, right. You know, so sometimes I would get some that would just seem way more intense. 
same brand, same pa you know packaging, yeah. everything, same bottom price. of the tub. <laughs> and then some, and I didn't realize, you know, the times that I, I was smoking that more intense stuff, or you know, it because at this point it had taken over. Right. So there came a point where you're you're learning that it's uh, that it's harmful. How are you dealing with that information? Are well, you like, was... oh, that that's wrong? Kind of rationalizing what I would say is kind of an addiction at that point. When yes, yeah, so the, my research kind of came toward the end because at this point I was sick of being sick. Sure. And um, so in the three years of my addiction, like I said, about the half of that, everything was okay. But it right. was when they changed, started changing the chemicals that started to make me sick. The last year and a half or so. Yeah. Um, and at this at this point, I had met another guy. Um, we're actually still together, um, almost seven years now. But oh. when we first nice. met, I was addicted to spice. He knew it was legal. At the, I was still buying out of the store. He didn't like it, but, you know, it wasn't a deal breaker at the time. Um, but so... At this point, then, you know, he worked away for a week on week off, and mm. we didn't live together or anything, so he didn't really see the effects that it was taking over to the point that I was napping all day. Um, I would have to smoke every 30 minutes to two hours. I would get up in the middle of the night every two hours and have to take at least one hit to be able to go back to sleep and not puke. I would wake up every two hours and throw up wow. if I did not have it. If I was out, oh, it was, it was a horrible horrible withdrawal within two hours of not smoking wow and then it got to the point too i was a server at a restaurant locally and i would bring a little one hitter with me mm -hmm. i would bring the spice with me to work mm -hmm. because i could not work and function more than a two hours without taking a hit mm -hmm. it didn't have a smell to it i would take it into the bathroom i would You're take good. one hit into my little stall blow it into the corner nobody was in the bathroom go out and be able to function and then it even got to the point that there was an employee there when I first started that was a dishwasher and was walking around and I could I was just looking at him going gosh he looks I'm like going through withdrawal so you know like I know what that that feeling and that look is because it would make you sweat sure. it would make your your tongue feel numb it would make your it was weird and yeah. so I went up to him not even knowing his name and I said hey I said do you, you smoke spice and he said yeah you got any and I said he said, are you, you're out, huh? He's like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I could tell. I was like, I have some in my car. Go ahead and go out there and, and you know. Take care. Take, yeah, because <laughs> you're going to get sick. You're getting sick in front of these people, you know. And he went out there and he came back and he, color back Good in his face, go, yeah. sweat wow. gone. I did not know that about, oh, about Spice. It was, it was horrible. I was full on sick, could not really eat. Huh. Um, and then when I did not have it, I would binge eat because... I was hungry, you know, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I had friends, really close friends, that were doing the same thing, and they they had good jobs, you know, and they but they would have to go out in their lunch break in their car and duck down and just to be able to function for their mm -hmm. day. It wasn't just me, right? It was, right. You know, a lot of people that I knew in our community going yeah. through this, and yeah. then the crime rate started going up. Sure. Um, because at this point, the stuff was cheap, but you had to smoke so much of it to stay oh, high, yeah. and yeah. then it would make you sick if you didn't have it so you'd have to continually purchase it yeah so then that's when it got to the point where i was staying before that it was costing me over 50 dollars a day mm -hmm. and even through the drive-up window the guys knew me my name and i would say hey i get paid friday can you, can you guys throw me one or two until then yep they would front me through the window Wow. Um, they would tell <laughs> me they would say oh yeah i, I saw oh, you got a 10 grand package you know because i get paid or something and that would last me you know, a couple of days. Right. And a hundred bucks. 
and he would say, oh, I have one on hold for a slope worker, you know, and they would, what slope workers would do is they would go, they'd purchase the big, the 10 gram ones, and then put it in little tiny baggies, hide it in their clothes, you know, in their bags, and, and take it off to the slope with them. Really? Because it was not detected in drug tests, and it was yeah, their right, way of being right. able to take something there with them, you yeah. know, um, because a lot of times when they come home from the slope, they are able to have their... You know, their beer after, you know, mm-hmm. sit in the sun, have their beer. They can't do that up there, you know. So if you're addicted to spice, why not bring it with you and hide it in your thing? And nobody knows. Mm-hmm. Not going to detect it in a drug test. So yeah. it was it was not just, you know, bartenders or servers. It was right. work. It was, I mean, your everyday average people that yeah. got sucked into it. I guess I didn't think about that, but I did know, like, when I first heard about it, that it was obvious I did. Uh, it was... Uh, like a good way to get high and not have to worry about your basic drug tests. And I know like it wouldn't show up. And if people were, uh, if people who were using marijuana and were concerned about drug tests, you know, the fact of the matter is that marijuana will st- stick with you and your fat cells, you know, mm-hmm. for like t- one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks, you know, a yeah. long time, just, just depending. So people who enjoy that and, but like, who enjoy smoking marijuana but like are subject to drug tests that those two don't reconcile well yeah. like they're pretty strong conflicting so yeah. yeah i guess i didn't i but i have known like a lot of people that worked on the slope that just like knew that marijuana was not a part of their options due mm-hmm. to the you know but yeah spice i would see in this area would be a strong alternative yeah. um okay wow so you're getting at this point you're getting really sick and some of your friends are obviously Getting, sick, getting sick as well and so I assume there's a point where you're like I'm sick of this well it really kind of I guess reality hit me when my friend who who her and her boyfriend both had smoked had called me and told me that her boyfriend had a seizure oh no and um, was it was having health issues and then my own health issues started happening to the point where I couldn't breathe without wheezing and at night when I would sleep it was like <sighs> Really? Oh, yeah, just normal breathing. And I couldn't do anything, activity. That's scary. Like It was very scary. I'd feel out of breath, you know, it was, it, yeah, it was very scary. And I actually ended up in the hospital a couple of times because of coughing up so much stuff and feeling sick and, and wheezy. I thought, you know, pneumonia and stuff. And mm-hmm. I had gone in a couple of times in a few-week period, and the doctor told me, and, of course, I was not honest with the doctors. Right, right, right. You know, I didn't, no, I don't do drugs. I don't yeah. do any smoke or anything. Um, and so they're, they're doing, you know, chest x-ray, see if I have pneumonia and they tell me, um, they say, well, you don't have pneumonia, but if you, you know, come back again, uh, we're going to admit you because, you know, you're obviously having issues. And my doctor actually nicknamed me, you know, wheezy girl. And because... There's a rapper named named Wheezy. So when when the doctor would say that, you know, and I couldn't breathe or at night when I was sleeping and wake up just drenched, I mean, through the sheets, blankets, oh yeah, and then feel nauseous, run to the bathroom, puke, then go in the kitchen, under the fan by the stove, take my couple hits, feel normal, go back to sleep change sheets, move, put towel down, something, you know, it yeah. was, this was an every night, everyday thing for a while. Um, but like I said, it's always friend, surprising to me, the amount of like, I guess stuff you would not 
ever like tolerate on a in your own like in a, in, a, in your life like that you allow yourself to tolerate like in the midst of your addiction yeah like you go through so much work and you tolerate so much like just crap you know like you're like I would sweat every day I'd have to ch- I'd puke every day I'd have to change my sheets all the mm-hmm. time you know and it's just like I would think like man if I had to do that every day like I'd be thinking that I can't live like, and obviously you're getting to that point, but like, it's always, it's not surprising, I guess, but it is like just the different things people end up putting up with, you know, because that does just get such a strong grip. Yeah. So my wake up call was not just my own health and my friend's boyfriend's health and, you know, things that I was going through. My wake up call was actually watching the news and seeing 20 something overdose on spice in Anchorage alone six calls a day, ambulance, multiple people dying. Mm-hmm. My mom, like I mentioned earlier, worked in mental health. She actually had, you know, clients, um, you know, she's got the confidentiality, so I don't know any details. Mm-hmm. I just know she had some that, you know, had an addiction to spice. <coughs> and after even I had done news story or, um, you know, what they had talked about in their groups and things like that, one day his chair was empty. And he had actually overdosed from suicide at the age of 23 and had a baby. Wow. You know, and and so it it started really just killing people instantly. So they were changing those chemicals up so bad now that the addiction became not just like replacement marijuana, but this was a full-on some poison that had gripped these people at this time with this with this spice that was now available. Yeah. And so there was a lot of deaths um and then because of that they started you know the um government the fbi the police you know they started seeing this stuff as this is not good you know crime rates gone up all the you know deaths are happening the you know emts are getting just you know bombarded with these overdoses and and the hospitals too and so they started uh, making legislation about making it completely illegal, no matter what chemicals they put in it, that you cannot sell this stuff. And so they were talking about a specific date of having it illegal. At this point then, I was like, I don't want to do anything illegal. You know, I'm a good person. I'm, I'm a, you know, I abide by law, you okay. know, and I don't even speed. It's, <laughs> so I was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to hide, you know, mm-hmm. to, the point where it's because it's illegal. So that drew me to also wanting or needing to quit because now it's not going to be there. If it's not going to be there, I'm going to have to go through the withdrawal anyway. You know, so I, at this point, had talked to, had called my friend over to my house, um, the same one whose boyfriend had gone through seizures, and we sat at my table and we both just cried. We cried, talked about how, how horrible this was, that we decided we we're going to quit together, and we hugged. And we promised each other, okay, we could do this together. And we did, both of us Wow, did. worked yep. out. Yep, it did. Um, I think that that, that uh, little, we're going to do it together, I think that that yeah. works out less times than it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> so I think both nice. of us had seen, you know, how horrible it was, what it was doing to us. And, and being illegal, and at this point here, within a few months, you know, we're like, oh, yeah, we can't, if we can't buy it in the store, if we can't, you know, we can't order, you could order online at this point, but... You know, the, the hassle of... That's a little illegal, too, though. I had ordered right. it online one time. Right, yeah. yeah. Once. 
Um, but, but if it's, it wasn't if it's illegal, illegal here, if it becomes illegal here, though, then it would and be. you guys order it online, you'd be doing something illegal, right? Yeah, and at, that, and right? at this point, kind of. we didn't order online when it right, became right. illegal. Right. Was before I, I was just mean that that see. wouldn't have really fixed your problem as no. to wanting to stay within the legal area. Yeah, it was, so ordering it online, it, if I wanted to keep going the illegal route, I could have done that. Sure, sure. But um, but that was definitely something that that pushed me away from from continuing on top of, because of my health and going to the hospital and not being able to breathe and throwing up all the time and knowing that now I'm not smoking because I enjoyed it, I was smoking to keep me feeling alive, to mm -hmm. make me function and be able to get through the day. Yeah. So. Like so it wasn't fun anymore. No. Was that like a sudden realization or kind of hit you all at once when you were talking or with, no. with your friend or were you kind of aware of that? I was aware of that. It was gradual. Um, the news stories of the overdoses, the becoming mm -hmm. it becoming illegal. It was more, you know, it was more talked about now of how horrible it was for you. Mm -hmm. I had kids, you know, I had mom guilt. I had, you know, financial issues, the point that, you know, I had shut off notices on bills. I always made ends meet. I mean, they always ended up you know, taken care of. I always had the roof over their head. I always, but it was sure a struggle. Yeah. It was a big yeah. struggle. Yeah. Yeah. I and never I stole. I never went that route, but sure. it was, but it was a struggle just to stay afloat and be able to make ends meet. I know? would say your responsibility, like how responsible you were in life in general was, uh, probably a lot less than you had been accustomed to throughout your life previously. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, you had, probably before then not really had as many of the struggles that you had had. No, not at all. Yeah. 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 So so you, you and your boyfriend, you guys you guys did it together. What was that like? So so the my boyfriend that I have now for seven years when I first met him, he he did not smoke. In mm -hmm. fact he doesn't smoke marijuana he never smoked marijuana. He not even cigarettes, you know, so um he saw me Good going lungs. through this. Yes. <laughs> yes. Lungs. And he was a runner. Nice. <laughs> um he saw what I was going through, but he kind of stepped back from it and just kind of let me do my thing. He was, we're never one to tell each other what to do, you know. Um, we're very much our own person, and, and I think that's probably why we get along so great, too, even to this day. But um, he did see that the effect on it, and and for two years he was with me while I was going through this, the, the downside of my addiction, that throwing up. He would be in, in bed next to me, and I'd wake up, go to the bathroom puking. You know, he would, he knew, and... He could hear my breathing, you know, he, but he didn't go anywhere. And then one day I told him, and I told him a couple of times I was going to quit and he just, oh, okay, you know, but I could tell I didn't believe me. And then one day I'm like, the day that I had my friend over and we hugged, he wasn't there at the time. And then when he had come home, I said, so yeah, my friend so-and-so and I, you know, this and that, and we made a pact and we're going to quit. And I said, I'm going to throw away all my stuff. And I and I did. I went and emptied my drawer out, took my pipes, everything, and I just tossed them. And I don't think he believed me at that yeah. time. He's like, she'll get it. She'll, yeah. she'll fetch him out of the garbage yeah. later. But it was after after a little while of going through the withdrawal, um, he, he had actually confided, you know, and told me that, if I was going to continue doing this, he was actually thinking about leaving me over this. And right. I had, and I had no idea. Yeah. You know, it was, he would actually contemplate that at the time. Yeah. And, uh, but then Makes after. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I don't blame him either. Right. You know, I, yeah. who, who wants to live with that? Right. And, uh, but it was after. You got your own relationship going on. Mm-hmm. With Spice. Oh, yeah. And like it took. he wants it, a relationship and. 
Yeah. You got another one. And it was after I actually, you know, during my, after my recovery, I, I had a talk with him. And I said, you know, I said, two years you've been with me like this. I said, you're going to get to know the real me now. Right, you right, know, right. That wasn't me. Yeah, you know, I yeah. said, so it's almost kind of like starting over in a yeah. way. Yeah. And, uh, and he told me, you know, he's proud of me. And, and uh, yeah, so it's, he's been a good support. Yeah. Yeah. And but, so uh, that's awesome, actually. Um, that would be, that would be a... Uh, tough for sure um yeah so you throw away your stuff and then uh no relapse huh um no no relapse okay. because at this point um it was become had gone into the legislation as being illegal okay. um which i i might like i said had a, the date's kind of off because sure. this was years ago but yeah. um i want to say it was october 2014 that it was going to become actually illegal mm -hmm. And so at this point, I had gone to the store, pleaded with the store owner, please stop selling this. It's killing people. It's bad. It's not, you know, it's becoming illegal. Nothing, you know, ever, okay, whatever, just, you know, we're, we, we'll, you know, do our Deal thing. Deal with that of, when yeah. it comes, yeah. Um, after it actually became illegal, it was still being sold out of the store. I know what story you're talking about. Yeah. So yeah, I, there was a big news report on that. Yeah. I think if we're talking about if we have the same one here yeah. and so that, all right, we don't need to yeah. put the put on a blast, I, whatever. Yeah. And I was kind of the one that that brought the news and yeah. the whole kind of that was a big deal. It. Yeah, I was involved in all that. Uh, there was uh, there was charges, right? Oh yeah, I was the I had this to go. was a couple years, a few years mm -hmm. ago, five, three, four years ago, five I, years ago, but I, not that long ago actually. I think maybe no. like three, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I remember seeing in like ADN and yeah. Was, uh, yeah, and it was like I was like, oh wow, that's right here. And I was reading what was going on, and essentially it sounded like right. You can correct me if I'm wrong. It was. Uh, it, it was had been illegal and mm -hmm. it was still being sold and yeah. they came in there was like some kind of raid maybe of some kind and they took a lot of product out right like a, a lot of money's worth of product right and press charges and yeah. they found some at the owner's house as yeah. well right yeah. i mean it was a like i was like dang dude how do you even fit that much stuff in this place <laughs> you so know when it became illegal and they were still selling it and I pleaded with the owner to stop and they did not stop and there was massive overdoses. And they were and aware it was illegal. Yep. I mean, if they say not. Yep. Like, and they were secretly the selling it from their store to certain people. Sure. Um, so, and they would hide it underneath their counter so, you know, people generally come in and would right. be able to see the board that they used to have out on display when it was legal. So I had gone to the troopers mm -hmm. and said, hey, there's stuff, the store's selling. I never heard anything. I'm like, all right, I'm going to call the senator. So I called the senator and left a voicemail. I got a call back from a secretary or something and I kind of told her my situation of the stuff that was going on. And she said, well, you know, forward it over. I didn't hear anything for a little while. I called again. Yeah. And I said, yeah. I said, we need to do something that's, you know, this is horrible. And I think that with it being in the news and starting to become this, like, more people becoming aware of what Spice was, mm -hmm. that they finally, between the Senator Machiki actually and the troopers, after all of my pleading, had became, had done an undercover investigation. And the undercover investigation lasted quite a while. Right. And... Um, got to get your evidence. So after they got what they needed, they got their warrants and they went to the store itself they raided the store they found 6,000 packets of spice Goodness. they raided his house they raided his storage um, and I think the 6,000 packets were kind of a, a combination of where they, yeah 
And then they found about $75,000 in cash and multiple guns. And um, one thing that I know when I would go get my fronts when I didn't have the money to, to buy, they would pawn. So I actually had knew somebody who went, took one of their guns, or I don't know whose gun, mm -hmm. and traded it. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah. And it wasn't. Dang. It wasn't this, you know, like cigarette a, store. Sounds like a little classic was, trap house. It, yeah, it was yeah. A, a drug house on right. the side of the street yeah. that were selling things out of their window as a drive-up. Yeah. And this was not okay, especially with everything going on. My own self, you know, after the recovery, seeing every, you know, all these um, these people committing suicide, um, overdosing, and. Watching even YouTube videos of people overdosing is just insane mm -hmm. of what they go through, the convulsions, the puking, the, you know, I mean, their heart rate, their, and then some even go opposite and become, you know, get this extra strength and fight off the officers. They become like this, you know, superpower human mm -hmm. type of thing because they don't, it's just the way they affects them. So yeah. even EMTs or police that come on scene to an overdose or people smoking spice, could be in harm's way yeah you know i think spice falls into like what's commonly called like a designer drug and yeah. i think those those designer drugs they have some very one i think their uh their effect on people is so variable you know it's not uniform like to, from person to person which is which makes it hard you don't yeah. know what you're dealing with um and i think like like I think one of the popular ones, at least when I was a little more informed on all of them, was like bath salts and things like that. Mm -hmm. People really getting into these, and it obviously it's sad because, like you said before, people do the whole like they'll do the oh this chemical's illegal, we'll just tweak it by this little bit, now we're good. And by the time they get around to banning that, it's already had its negative impacts, yeah. you know. Um, so I imagine you can still order this online. Do you know? I'm not sure. Probably. Probably somewhere. Probably, yeah. yeah. They ended up um, changing it to the point that they've made liquid form. Okay. So you can put it in those uh, e-cigarette things oh. or anything that you can vape from. Sure. So, and there's no odor, and they have right. flavors. Yeah. And yeah. so it, it was scary enough when, you, when you're looking online that, that you that people could be walking down the side of the road and instead of smoking out of like a pipe that a marijuana pipe they would be just using like their vape pen who you think are you know those mm -hmm. you know legal yeah right but they have spice in there yeah you yeah. know and you don't know if that's what they're smoking or not mm -hmm. um i do know that after the raid um and charges were um you know the press charges the state dropped it and the federal feds picked it up so it became a federal case um and kind of kind of I don't know went from there it, mm -hmm. it, and it somewhat after this happened spice just sort of disappeared from our community good yeah mm. yeah yeah so did you so I imagine you uh you know it sounds like you were I would say like addicted for a while to mm -hmm. spice um did you what's been your recovery like because I, I would say even if you're not actively participating like in some kind of like recovery program that there has been like a resemblance to some it, like you've experienced things that are very common to like recovery, even if we just call recovery like post addiction. Mm -hmm. like so my recovery, of. you know, of course, the my withdraw. Um, my withdraw was not a couple of days or a couple of weeks. It was about a month. Hmm. It was a month of throwing up. It was a month of sweating. It was a month of just feeling like like death. Honestly, I just felt 
sick to my stomach. Um, but I had to do it. And that was that pack my friend and I made. And like I said, we did it together. So when we feel sick, we call each other and be like, hey, chug the Gatorade, chug the Gatorade, you know, stay hydrated. That was a huge thing. Stay hydrated and, you know, just force yourself to drink. And, and so after, after the um, withdrawal period was over and I just felt normal again and I can function normally without anything, um, that's when I started advocating um, in the community to bring education. It was people needed to know what it was and in a form, me opening up my story was my form of recovery. Because if I'm going to share it with people, I better follow through so they don't see me fail. Mm -hmm. I'm not a failure. I work hard at everything I do. So this is what I'm going to do, and I can't fail. So that's what the mindset I had. Um, I don't want to embarrass myself, you know. So I, uh, I let it be known. I was on the news. I had, you know, Channel 11, KTV News, drive down from Anchorage, and they did a news story on me. Uh, my family, my kids were there. My boyfriend was there in the news and... Um, you know, so they could see that I was, you know, uh, normal, didn't, you know, commit crimes. I wasn't, I've never, ever been in trouble with the law and I was, you know, had a family and, and that this wasn't a stereotypical, you know, homeless type of drug. Mm -hmm. Um, it did hit the homeless, um, population in Anchorage pretty hard, but, um, but yeah, but it could have anybody, mm -hmm. it, it could hit anybody. Um, it's not just, you know, one type of group of mm -hmm. people. So in that story, of course, I opened up, and then it was aired on the news, you know, our local channel, you know, 6 o'clock news. Um, then after that, I got um, a call from the college, um, the Peninsula College, asking me to do a, um, a stand-up, you know, presentation for their students, um, talking about what SPICE is and, and what it does and what they should be aware of when they come up on a scene of, of an overdose. And... So with that, I had to become educated on what it was and where it came from. And when I started doing a lot of research on it, I started doing investigating too. Um, ended up working with um, a guy out of state whose son committed suicide at 14 years old, the first time he had ever taken a hit. And so this dad made it his mission to go to schools down in the states with do drug sniffing dogs go with the you know the sheriffs that they have down there they do school raids he talks in assemblies and he still does it to this day wow. and so I actually the whole reason the troopers ended up uh, taking them down is because I sent a couple of packets down to Alabama to this guy they had him tested found out the substance was legal got a hold of the feds up here and that's how it became it was because I sent the packets out of state to be tested wow. so I worked with him a lot um, and with the investigating part and then because of that I also learned you know that it came from China that comes from China a mm -hmm. lot that it can fund terrorism there was locations in San Diego that um, we actually ended up um, finding on like a Google map thing and, and the troopers down there got a hold of them and did raids down there because of investigations from here wow. um, from the shipment so mm -hmm. they were it wasn't about, let's get it out of the store here. It was like, well, where'd they get it from? <clears throat> where was it coming from? Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, so there was, there was a lot, a lot to it from where Spice came from, where the money goes, because obviously it was a huge moneymaker. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, it just became now this whole international thing instead of just this local Kenai thing. Right. Um, so I made it my priority to 
first of all, get it out of our community. Um, stop seeing it in the news, stop seeing my friends sick. And then it became, then I just started like the investigative side of it. You know, I even, I even investigated here. I had to, <laughs> I had to go across the street from the store that was selling it and take photos. Yeah. I had to hide out in different areas and yeah. I had to, I had to research addresses and all that for the authorities, you know, and then I sent all those off and so there was, there was a lot to it to, yeah. to get it out. Um, and then I needed a community to back me up to help. So that's when I, you know, the senator got a hold of me and we went and did that protest in front of the store itself. Oh, wow. You know, there was probably 50 people or so that showed up. Hmm. Um, and I have a picture of it actually I posted on my Facebook page yesterday. Oh, great. Talking about coming in here today. You know, yeah, we'll probably about, share that. Yeah, it's on, on yeah. It's, it's public on my Facebook. Oh, um, great, yeah. We'll and then, um, oh yeah, a lot of people showed up. But there were people showing up that had posters with, faces on them of their family that have died here locally, yeah. you know, yeah. um, young women. Uh, there was a suicide in Homer. His sister had come down with her husband and pick it in front of the store because spice is what killed him. We had, you know, definitely quite a few deaths in our own community from yeah. this. And I talked to these people in person who had experienced death from the spice. And here I am standing there that this could happen to me. This could have been my daughter oh, yeah. standing here. This could have been my mother standing here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not okay. And so that's, um, and this, and this, and the tobacco, tobacco spice shop, you know, made fun of us. They were mocking right. us out there. Oh, we've got free coffee for anybody who wants to, you know, and come on. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it was just a game to them, right. you know, and they had no idea these people suffering. They didn't see these faces on the poster board. They didn't mm -hmm. hear these people's family stories. Mm -hmm. And if they did, would they care? Probably not. They've got $75,000 sitting in cash, 6,000 grams of spice. You know, you're figuring 10 to 15 bucks a gram. Yeah. It's Sixty, ninety thousand dollars. Yeah. It was about life at that point. You yeah. Know? yeah. To them anyway. Yeah. So. so. What would uh that so yeah you did some pretty hardcore activism <laughs> for like sure a did. while. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. that's incredible. That's uh, I really heard a haven't really had a recovery story where that was the main main part of recovery. That's awesome. I know like obviously a lot of recovery does include like service and outreach and different uh just like new awareness and from that awareness some certain action but yours is like boom off and running like Get some big time here. work yeah Get it out of here. yeah and i that is so you know it's kind of hitting me as like more significant now than it did in the beginning because i'm thinking back as you describe all these things and like it really hit where you know i grew up in montana and i was i was in high school around this time i was out of high school in 2014 but around like 2010 when it hit and it was it was big and i remember hearing like I remember my uh, my cousin at the time, well, he's technically, not to get to all detail, but he's technically my uncle, but he's like a year younger than me, so like I just call him my cousin, but he's not my cousin, he's my uncle. Anyway, uh, he, he like had a bad, he had a bad uh, reaction to it, you know, and like, and like we had other, we knew other kids that were having like really some serious reactions from it, and uh, I remember my uncle even told me, he said, Eric, like, I'm not, I don't want you to smoke weed, like, and I sure hope you're not going to, like, be smoking a bunch of weed your whole life. He's like, but, man, he's, he's, a, he's an anesthesiologist, and he said just the thing I do not want is, you know, that spice stuff. Like, uh, he said, we just see people coming into the hospital all the time with too many, too much stuff, you know. He's like, just do not smoke that spice stuff. And he was basically, he wasn't saying, like, if you're going to do one, if he's, he wasn't saying, like, smoke weed, but he was like, dude, if you're, like, adamant about this, like, just smoke weed like it's like this is not good um so yeah it's just like that was a gosh that was bad 
Like, that yeah. was all just so bad. Um, and, you know, I, I imagine that this is still going to, you know, there will be a new one. You know, there will be oh. a new something. So I think it's just important that the parents and, like, and anybody, parents who are, like, super, like looking after their children, but also people who are, whether you're children, adolescents, adults, like, if you're looking at, like, getting, like, doing this designer drug that's, like, legal and sold mm -hmm. in stores and stuff that, We've been through this. We've seen that it's bad. Like, it's not good. Like, it, it's just not a smart choice. Um, you know, it's like you just don't have any no data on it or anything. You know, you don't know what's going on. It's getting changed all the time. Um, and that's kind of why I went the direction I did because it wasn't. There was people coming to me all the time, or when I post about it on my Facebook, like, oh yeah, this. Well, what is that? I have questions on what spice. You know, potpourri. I heard it's potpourri. Right, well, right, right. It actually kind of kind of smells like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It smells sweet. You know, it smells good. Um, but but no, it's not potpourri. Right, right. I'm not going to the store and buying you know the shaved pine cones. Ten and, grams and, of potpourri. Yeah, yeah on not the quite week, the same. On the every other day for fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it it. I think after all the investigating that got done, and after the owner got charged, and the state dropping the charges, and I found that out. I was like, well, why? You know, oh my gosh, what happened? And, mm -hmm. you know, did he get away with all of this? And and uh, I found out the federal pick it up. Right, right, right. And it was the first and only so More far federal case on a spice that's, that's so far. Wow. So I had to go to court and yeah. testify and get on on the stand. Yeah. And, and it was difficult <laughs> because... cross-examined. Yeah, because I got to see him in person again, and after he'd been in jail for a couple, at this point, you know, maybe over a year before the trial started, and and I, uh, when I saw him, I, he looked way different. He didn't look healthy. He looked half his size, and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this this guy was, was just somebody who lived here in our community, and, and it, probably when he, when he took over the store, didn't realize he was doing anything wrong, and then mm -hmm. when it became illegal at this point, he was so drawn into the money right. that, you know, and, 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 you know, the, I guess the, having the social, of the people that would, you know, come to the store and, you know, whatnot, and just um, his reputation in the community, and, and so to sit there in front of him and actually talk about my story you know, and how it almost killed me, and how it did kill a lot of other people. Yeah. And that, that he, there's some accountability on his part. Yeah, I held myself completely responsible for driving to that store and right, buying right, it and using right. my money. I am not saying that it's oh, it's his fault. No, that I own up to that, and that's why I feel it's like my obligation to then educate everybody else, so I can actually look back and say, okay, it was worth something. Mm -hmm. I didn't just go through this recover. I live my life like mm -hmm. now I can actually make a difference and say that my recovery was worth it that going through this experience was supposed to happen because you know for my own belief that things happen for a reason sure. and because and overcoming what I did and how I did it and I just feel like that was supposed to happen so I could help other people in the future um, so that's why it became, instead of just a recovery story, it was an education. And um, so I made it actually for about two years after uh, my recovery. I continued education and continued keeping it up in the public, um, you know, what it was and whatnot. And then after, just sort of, you stop, stopped hearing about it, stopped, you know, hearing about any anything going on in the community with it. And at this point, 
Um, I'd actually gone to college for a couple of semesters for paraprofessional counseling because I was going to become a drug addiction counselor at this sure. point. And, sure. But at my age and, and having kids and paying my way through college just wasn't going to yeah, work out. So, so I more so just did it on the side, yeah. you know, if, if people could reach out to me if they have questions. And I actually um, talked to a girl who was 17 who had been addicted since 14 out of suicide. Yeah. I've had people mm -hmm. reach out to me I, I don't know, just say, my son's addict, you know, on this, what do I do? Or mm -hmm. I have, you know, um, I, I want to stop, you know, or so I've actually had a lot of people reach out to me, um, not in a while, because like I said, it's been a few years since I've even been in the community that I'm aware of or even a problem anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so at this point, then I just kind of went on my way and, and started, you know, just being more present for my kids yeah. and um, going a different route with career and um, just maintaining, you know, happiness and health and, and living my life, uh, you know, making the right choices, sure. you know, every day. So, yeah. um, and then, you know, my, my kids had seen me at my worst and now they're seeing me at my best and, yeah. and, and at their ages, you know, yeah, like I said, I had mom guilt for them to see me in that position. But mm -hmm. again, part of that is my thought of everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. They see this, it may prevent them from you know, making those choices as they get older. Mm -hmm. So um, even with my daughter sitting here right now, listening to me, you know, she's going to be 10 years old next month. It's, it's young. You know, my kids were young when they, when they saw me go through this, but I am in no form ashamed or, you know, going to hide it. And, and I think that that will just make them stronger. And then also people who've gone through what I've gone through just makes you stronger when you can overcome things. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so before we kind of uh, wrap up, it sounds like, you know, you, like you said, I think you summed it up pretty well. You kind of went from your worst mm -hmm. to your best. You know, obviously you were kind of a, a, I would say you were pretty well enslaved to, to spice use, you know, every, every half hour, every two hours yeah. and just sick all the time and just putting up with some like some stuff that you normally wouldn't tolerate like in your own life uh mm -hmm. what's kind of the best parts that are like obviously different compare and contrast kind of thing what are some of the best parts of like today living a nice like uh like sober life like what are some of your best parts like um i don't have to worry about my electric bill getting shut off right <laughs> right um i have more um i'm more aware of what's going on around sure. me um you know more involved with with my kids and my boyfriend and and um so i would say probably you know the best part now is just is feeling alive i'm more yeah. healthy now at 40 than i have been most of my life and mm -hmm. and um, i'm actually a certified personal trainer now and, yeah. and and help people you know with their health and reach goals and yeah and i think it's just in my nature to want to help people and i think that's always been kind of the direction i've always wanted to go you know and um and so even going through my recovery um and wanting to help other people go through, you know, the same thing. I think that in general is just kind of my nature, and that's probably what what drove me into making those decisions in my recovery to go after it and get it out, not just be recovered and stay recovered. You know, like yeah. being active in yeah. in it. So yeah. I think, but uh, but yeah, right now it's just waking up every day knowing I can breathe without wheezing. Mm -hmm. I'm going on a 10 mile run tomorrow. Nice. You would, I would definitely five years ago. I just ago. ran three miles the other day, and I was like, I'm two miles in. I'm like, 
I want to quit. Like, I just want to be done. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting yeah. becoming mentally prepared. But, you know, five years ago, when I couldn't breathe, if you told me I would run uh, 10 miles, oh, yeah. no, I probably yeah. wouldn't have lived. <laughs> yeah, you, like, want like a, a, like, a smoke form of a camelback that you can just, like, breathe in the whole time while you run. Maybe, like, or if you get a smoke yeah. the whole time for 10 miles, yeah. you'll be able to track it. Maybe. Maybe, actually. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Interesting. Uh, got a new. No, no I'm not going to invent that. Not going to invent that. That was really a good idea. <laughs> bad idea. Bad overall. Good, decent idea. Anyway, uh, so I feel like we should sign off with something different than that. But uh, yeah. uh, so something, something to note uh, is that it, I guess it's not common in in the realm of podcasts that we've done and stuff about uh, people basically stopping when they come to realize that the negative side effects are very real like sounds like what turned it around for you was hearing about people dying of overdose and, yeah. and that's not necessarily common but i think it's good to keep in mind that there are some people that just don't know they just don't know that it that these products um that have a potential harm so even getting that information out there mm -hmm. you, you know you know you tell people uh, the, the side effects of drugs, oh yeah, everyone knows that. Well, that's not necessarily true. Yeah. And no. having that information out there just to change even one person's life around, I think is huge. Yeah. Yeah. You, man, with all these, <laughs> with all these insights. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point, actually. It motivated me more so when people would reach out to me um, or I knew that maybe I, I helped prevent a suicide right. or, mm. you know, I actually, my friend and I, you know, went through it together and she, she quit too and seeing her, you know, flourish and, and do so much better, it just drove me to just want to mm. keep going because mm -hmm. I was changing people's lives for the better and why not keep going, you know, yeah. so, yeah. yeah, so that was my, at my mission. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So this is another uh, excellent uh, recovery story. I, Jessica, thank you so much. I really do think that this is, uh, one, just in general, super interesting, right? Because this was like a really unique uh, kind of phenomenon that kind of took place in Alaska and I'd say nationwide, perhaps yeah. even worldwide, but I can't speak to that. It was really unique. It was like it just took off and then it kind of went away and I hadn't thought about it anymore. Yeah. And, but that didn't go away. I mean, I would say it went away because some people did things about it and you did a lot probably maybe more than anyone else I don't know um, but like so one super interesting and two really really it's uh, I think it provides a lot of you know a lot of real hope to people that it, it essentially you know you can be in some pretty pretty tough places like getting sick all the time and needing it all the time and really kind of being at you like I said earlier being at your worst and going to your best so just thank you so much for sharing your story uh, uh, listeners, I hope you uh, hope you enjoyed, and uh, I would just like to suggest, if, as you, if any of these new kind of products are coming out, you know, I think there were a lot of things here said today that you should consider that would then, uh, I think, rightfully make you a little bit cautious as to how you then just like jump into whether you consume that product or not or how you treat that product so uh yeah thank you so much this is uh you and i for the kenai